All right, uh, hello to the people over here at X Plus. We're here with myself, Sal from uh, Solian Dow, and Durden from Lafinity. How are you doing, Durden? GM, doing well. Awesome, awesome. So I guess we just want to talk a little bit about Lafinity. Uh, maybe I'll give myself a little introduction, then you can go. Uh, so for me, I'm I'm part of the Solian Dow. We kind of invest in a lot of different Web3 native assets, particularly focusing on play to earn, but we do have a lot of uh, DeFi positions, one of which our largest one is, is uh, actually Lafinity. We've been with you guys since the flares, and uh, I'm really excited to kind of hear a little bit more about you from you and uh, what you guys are kind of like out looking for 2024. Sweet, yeah, appreciate the support from way back. Hey, Ty, can, you, can you give me a second? I'll be right back. Yep. I guess meanwhile, I could, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about Soli and Dow for those who aren't familiar. We're basically a, uh, one of the first DAOs, if not the first NFT DAO on Solana, launched in August 2021. We're just kind of believers in the power of smart contracts to kind of facilitate an organization where people who create value have a say ownership and an opportunity to profit from their inputs and efforts. Currently we're in like Star Atlas, Photo Finish, Aurori, and we're looking to enter BR1, uh, introduced to them from Crypto One Stop over here. And uh, yeah, a lot of DeFi positions like Lafinity, DeFi, a lot of lending, looking to participate in the bank's strategic sale right now. And uh, we're looking to get into kind of like VCs, through turtles in 2024 as well as uh kind of updating the artwork for, for the project and tokenomics so if that's interesting to you feel free to uh dm me but uh yeah we're just kind of waiting for for Durden to come back i'm back sorry yeah so uh no problem. should i give a short intro to myself was that the question yeah just uh who you are and what you do at lafinity and what lafinity is right on uh, so, uh, let's see, I'm Durden. <laughs> um, I'm like a semi-technical guy. I studied math in university, played poker semi-professionally for a while, uh, entered crypto in 2017, um, got much more active in the cycle after that. So the previous cycle, um, that's when I learned about Solana and that's when I really started, um, doing a lot of DeFi stuff. And, uh, I was uh, lurking in uh, Lafinity's Discord asking questions and stuff, and uh, they uh, asked me to join them. Um, so I'm like a latecomer to the team. Uh, they, they were already building the product when I um, was asked to join. Uh, so that was about two years ago. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I forgot. Was there a second part to your question? So what is your main kind of job day to day at uh, Lafinity right now? Yeah, so basically I do everything that's not uh, development or design. We have two developers and a designer, and I do everything else. So all the communications, the writing, the uh, marketing, and whatever else. Yeah, so something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen you around as the main kind of face of Lafinity. It's great to hear that you're kind of a Swiss army knife. I would, I like to think of myself as one as well. Um, just kind of able to do whatever other than the hardcore coding, but you have a good team and you guys are building a great product. Uh, I'm sure you're probably one of the most knowledgeable people out there about the platform. Um, so I guess maybe for some people, could you just give a high level overview of Lafinity and, you know, kind of the journey that you guys have had since 2022, I guess, or 2021 up until now? Sure. So back when I joined, the uh, DEX was live, but it had just a little bit of the team's liquidity, like 100K um, in a sole USDC pool. And like it was performing really well, but we wanted to test like how it would um, perform uh, at scale. And this is when we launched the Flare NFTs. 
And we took all the mint funds and deposited them in the pool, and they're still in the pool. Um, so, and uh, so that like uh, scaled the pool to like a million dollars or beyond. And uh, we tested it, and it worked really well. So uh, that was good. And then later we did a V idea to uh, raise funds for development as well as protocol on liquidity. So that scaled the amount of funds in the pools, and we were open, able to open a lot of new pools. And uh, yeah, let's see. I guess to get into like a little bit of how Lefinity works. So Lefinity, again, is a DEX. Um, it's, it works quite differently from most other DEXs. Um, and <laughs> I will probably like miss a few things. I think the the main differentiator is that uh, Lefinity uses an Oracle to price its assets. So it's an Oracle-based DEX. Um, normally on other DEXs, the way they determine what price to buy and sell assets at is determined purely by the balance of assets in the pool. Um, so for example, like uh, constant product pools are the simplest to explain. They always keep um, the balance of assets uh, in 50-50 proportion. So um, yeah, the, the amount that the price is determined by that 50-50 ratio. And so Lefinity doesn't work like that. Instead, it uses an Oracle to price the assets. So the Oracle tells us basically um, what the price on centralized exchanges is. And so we just reflect that price. That's a bit of a simplification, but that's basically what's going on. And the reason we want to do that is because price discovery happens on centralized exchanges. Um, you may have heard before about like MEV and how um, Uniswap V3 style pools and constant product pools tend to get arbitraged, uh, their price and the centralized exchange price. And that that is called toxic flow because it's um, like it's changing the price for you, which in a sense is good, but ideally um, you would change the price without someone trading against you because it's basically um, you're basically making a bad trade. You're, you're, you're trading at an incorrect price, so to speak. Um, and so Lifany is able to avoid that and often even reverse it. So um, you might have heard also of impermanent loss. And the the TLDR of impermanent loss is that you're, you're selling the asset that goes up in price and you're buying the asset that goes down in price. Um, so you end up with a loss. And Lifinity, because it uses the Oracle, and the Oracle references the centralized exchange price, which is where price discovery happens, it's able to reverse this impermanent loss and basically buy low and sell high. Uh, and that um, can result in a profit. Um, so I know I kind of went all over the place, but that's a TLDR on like how Lifinity's DEX works. No, yeah, that definitely makes sense. So just to kind of summarize that, you have the main issue with normal DEXs, just like, uh, I guess you could say like a Radium or an Orca on Solana. Uh, they obviously don't use the uh, all the same kind of like pricing formulas, but they can experience toxic flow and impermanent loss to people who are providing liquidity. And uh, toxic flow is just kind of like, you know, traders trying to arbitrage the sex prices and basically extracting value from, you know, us, right? The users of the platform. So you also mentioned protocol and liquidity as part of kind of like the way that you guys bootstrap the whole protocol, the whole protocol for you, like the VE IDO. Do you want to kind of explain, you know, how protocol own liquidity, sorry, is a, uh, is, is kind of like something that people should care about. And it's something that, that, that secures the platform over the alternatives and kind of tying that to, to the, to the nature of the Lefinity token itself. Sure. I mean, hey, you're not you're not super wrong. The protocol does own liquidity. So, but uh, yeah, protocol own liquidity. So we did a special form of an IDEO called a VE IDEO. I think we're still the only one to have ever done this. I hope it spreads more because I think it's a very 
useful way of doing an idea. So before explaining the idea, um, I should mention that um, our tokenomics include the VE mechanism um, that people might be familiar with in projects like Curve on Ethereum, which pioneered it. Um, our VE mechanism has a few differences that make it an improvement on Curve's model. But um, without getting into those, all you basically need to know is that VE is basically just locking your tokens. And the longer you lock your tokens, the more voting power and protocol rewards you receive. So there's an incentive to lock your tokens. Um, but it's a trade-off, of course, because that means you're um, giving away or you're relinquishing your liquidity. All right, so we have this V tokenomics. So we did a V VE IDEO. Um, usually when you do an IDEO, you sell tokens and or yeah, and you receive USDC and then everyone gets the same price. But in the VE IDEO's case, users not only provide USDC, but at the same time they make a choice as to how long they want to lock their tokens. And that will directly affect how many tokens they receive. The longer they chose to lock their tokens, the more tokens they received. Um, and this was very useful because imagine if you <clears throat> um, didn't do a V idea, you just did a normal idea. Then after that, you you know you still have the VE mechanism, and people can lock their tokens. But when you lock your tokens, you're inherently devaluing them because you're removing that liquidity, that optionality. Um, and so there's like there is an incentive sort of because you get the protocol rewards via locking, but there's also this huge disincentive of removing your liquidity. Um, and so the VIDO counters this by um, having a strong incentive, namely that you get more tokens when you lock longer, you get a better price in the IDO. And so this incentivized tons of people to lock their tokens. I believe it was something around 80%. And most people locked for the max period, which was four years. And so we started off with a, a good supply, circulating supply dynamic, where most of the supply is locked. And actually, since the VEIDO, that number has only increased. Now it's like 86%, uh, I believe, of the supply is locked. And most of it for um, four years. Actually, there's some that's slightly less than four years. These are people who are uh, performing this arbitrage. Um, but essentially, they're also locked for four years. Um, anyways, so yeah, we did that. Um, so that worked great. And then uh, I think you asked about protocol on liquidity. So yeah, most of the funds we raised in the VEIDO uh, just turned into protocol on liquidity. Um, this is another unique thing about our DEX. Usually DEXs don't own their own liquidity. They get all their liquidity um, from external providers. Um, but in our case, um, essentially all of our liquidity is protocol owned. And uh, there's a few benefits to this. I think the most significant one is that this means that instead of how it normally works, where a DEX charges a protocol fee on the LB profits, usually this is something on the order of like 15%. Uh, we, because we own the liquidity, regardless of the protocol fee, this means we capture 100% of the fees that we generate. And so, you know, that's a lot more than just 15%. That's like 6x more. Um, and on top of that, uh, we also capture 100% of what we call market-making profit. This is the profit EDEX makes before trading fees. So basically the thing I explained earlier about impermanent loss or how we reverse it. So the profits we make from buying low and selling high. Um, usually you can't even charge a fee on this. This is just accrues to the LP tokens um, directly. So um, if there are external LPs, they would just capture 100% of the market-making profit. But once again, because we own the liquidity, we capture 100% of that as well. And uh, on a monthly basis, we announce our, um, our fee revenue. Um, but few people know that actually our market-making profit revenue is often higher than our fee revenue. 
Um, and it's not included in that monthly figure because unlike fees, we don't withdraw the market making profit. It just stays within the pool and compounds. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's how the protocol on liquidity works. No, that that's awesome. That that kind of gave me a lot of things to follow up on. I think in terms of uh, you know, I guess the VEIDO yep. allowed you guys to kind of seed the pools. How, is there any way for people to kind of increase the TVL on Lithinity, or is it only really limited to the market making profits and kind of that initial seed? Yeah, so Previously, our pools were open, at least select pools were. And right now, um, the uh, Lifinity USDC and XLifinity Lifinity pools are still open, but those are the only open pools. All the other pools are closed. And we have a, a very clear reason for doing this. Um, so our goal for any given pool is to maximize the sum of fees and market making profit. And optimizing the sum of those usually involves finding an optimal level of liquidity. So this is yet another thing that differentiates us from other DEXs. Normally, a DEX just looks to maximize their liquidity because the more liquidity they have, the more fees they generate. And the more fees they generate, the more protocol fees they generate, which is their ultimate goal. Um, but in our and uh, yeah, the, the the key thing about that is that the DEX itself they don't care about impermanent loss because they're not the ones taking on the risk of impermanent loss. It's the LPs themselves, and they have to manage their strategy and try to minimize impermanent loss. In our case, we are the LPs. The protocol, um, the team itself, is basically managing the liquidity and trying to provide liquidity intelligently and maximize market-making profit, or to put it differently, to minimize impermanent loss. Um, let's see. I need to uh, go back to what was I talking about earlier. Oh, we definitely covered a lot of different things, but I mean, in terms of that, I think what that kind of brings me to, I think, is kind of the tension that you alluded to earlier on, kind of like the purpose of the VEIDO in terms of incentivizing people to lock versus incentivizing, you know, people to just kind of like get this token at IDO and, and dump it. Because I think the kind of key point that I'm trying to get to is that the way that the Lifinity platform works, because it has kind of this locked liquidity system that I didn't know that there was like this optimal liquidity value that's really interesting. But you guys are trying to basically own the liquidity, not have, you know, the toxic liquidity providers, mercenary capital kind of, you don't care about maximizing TVL, you care about maximizing the rewards, I guess is one way to put it to the affinity because affinity itself or ve affinity is what gets the rewards and the market making profits compound in the pool there's a, an incentive to to kind of align yourself with the protocol long term this is really one of the things that at our dow kind of made us you know stick with you guys throughout the bear and continue to stick with you guys now because you know we we are all about sovereignty and ownership and we do get a sense of sovereignty and ownership knowing that the pool is is, is this thing which which is incentivizing the people for the for the long term and i guess that kind of brings me to my next question which is you know on on your guys's documentation it says that 50 percent of the fees not the market making profits but the fees go to ve lifinity and 40 percent go to buybacks or providing liquidity for uh lifinity usdc i wanted your opinion on like how do you think this the breakdown is is the optimal one versus looking at it from like a this might be completely incorrect but what i think is like you're half incentivizing people to go long term and you're half incentivizing people to exit how do you, how do you kind of view that tension in in the sense of like you know the fees on something like a curve the way that curve and and convex built on top of it kind of turned into this giant system was the game people were playing within the realm of the voter escrow dao and like that, the meaning of the ownership and how that ownership matters. In this case, it's over liquidity and, and the fees. Um, but then this platform, 40% of the fees are just going to seeding the pool, which is, you know, it makes sense to kind of increase the token price or like keep a constant uh, demand on it. But do you see any downsides of that? Is that something you guys are looking at? Or, or do you think that this, this is a good structure kind of moving forward? 
Yeah, good question. Uh, before I answer that, I, I remembered um, where I was going with that previous line of thought. So uh, you were yeah. earlier asking about like um, why deposits are capped. Um, and yeah, so ultimately the reason is we're trying to maximize profitability. And like I was saying earlier, there's an optimal level of liquidity for each pool that maximizes fees plus market making profit. And we already have that liquidity for all our pools. Um, actually, we have idle liquidity that we can deploy whenever we want to, but right now we don't have any pools that we want to deploy it to. And so yeah, if we opened up for more deposits, that's um, for one thing, it's opening to ex external deposits, which means we wouldn't capture 100% of the fees, only 15% of the fees that liquidity generates. But also we'd be going off of our, um, what we're considering is the optimal liquidity for maximizing fees plus market making profit. Um, so yeah, we basically have no incentive or reason to um, open up our pools. Uh, anyways, back to your your question about um, how we use our revenue. So originally, um, before we did our VE idea, we said we would use 50% for buybacks and 50% for revenue distribution. Um, this was just, you know, a uh, like a naive choice. I don't mean that in like a totally negative sense. Just that like we have no information to go off of of like what i don't think there is a way really to know like what is optimal but um we were thinking well people will definitely like distribution that's pretty rare in crypto unfortunately and people also like buybacks um so we'll just have half and half and uh you know make adjustments from there as we um see the the community's like response to that over time and uh, I think both are useful, and I think both um, are more useful at certain times, depending on the current situation. So um, I think this is easier to see with buybacks. So you know, all else being equal, if you're buying tokens back when the tokens are cheaper, then that's better. Um, the question is like um, cheaper relative to what, of course. Um, and so for us, uh, because we have protocol-owned liquidity, um, our tokens have actual backing. Um, and I think this is another thing that makes Lefinity stand out. I think most tokens um, do not have like a backing, um, or at least like not a not substantial backing. Um, and so that's one way. Now recording. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, so one way you could you could um, determine like when it's a good idea to do buybacks is say like okay if our our book value which is like the theoretical value amount of USDC that each Lefinity would receive if we were to shut down the protocol and do like a a redemption for all tokens if the Lefinity value is below that. If, if the Lefinity price is below that book value, then you 100% you know it's, it's a good buy because um, like it's, it's undervalued. It's worth less than its backing. So by buying back tokens, you're actually increasing the book value for all other token holders. Um, so that's one way you can do it. But especially in like bull markets, that's often not the case. Your price is usually above book value. Um, you know, it's basically what you see in the stock market as well. But so um, in that case, I think it becomes harder to, to determine like what is quote unquote optimal. Um, I think it just depends on your objective. And you know, people have different objectives. So I guess another simple way to think about this is long-term holders versus short-term holders. So long-term holders, they plan on holding regardless of price. You know, that's kind of by definition what they mean what it means to be a long-term holder. And so those people, of course, care more about revenue because if they're going to be holding um, and they don't care about price, what they do care about is how much they get paid out. So those people probably care less about buybacks and they care more about distribution. Then on the other hand, you have um, traders who are looking for uh, to buy low, and then once price increases, to sell and take a profit that way. 
um, those people probably care more about buybacks because that serves their purpose of once they've bought, um, increasing the price so that they can more quickly get to a point where they want to take profit. So, yeah, I'm not sure it isn't optimal. I think it's inherently subjective. It just depends on like what your priorities are. So right now we still do both of those. And um, we we have like made adjustments over time, like for how we do that. So for example, right now, actually we haven't done buybacks for a couple months. And uh, instead we've increased Lifinity USDC liquidity. This is partially because the uh, price of Lifinity is above its book value. Also because we have sometimes heard people say, oh, Lifinity is so illiquid. Um, I, I try to buy a little bit and then it moves the price. Um, and so uh, we've tried to increase liquidity. And also um, it kind of makes sense because when you increase liquidity, you're not buying tokens. So you're not raising the price higher than it already is. Um, so relatively speaking, at least, compared to like when Lifinity is below book value, um, it makes sense to just add liquidity. So yeah, it's an ongoing thing. We continue to make adjustments. It's something the community talks about a lot in our governance channels. So yeah, continues to evolve. There, That's really interesting to me, the kind of breakdown between the long-term, short-term. That's a really interesting way to kind of look at your fee structure. I guess the perspective that I guess I come from being a DAO that's investing in Lifinity and we're very obviously long-term, uh, kind of long-term outlook. The backing behind the token is one of the biggest pieces of value to us simply because it's kind of a reflection of ourselves and how we operate. And then I guess it kind of brings me to the point of just, you know, the discussions happening in the fee, in the, not the fees, in the DAO, you know, has there been discussion about kind of the, you know, changing the way that fees work in terms of uh, in the future, you know, curve, convex, it's basically composability of groups and communities and to kind of, you know, fight for the fees and, and claim it. Because obviously when these tokens are liquid, it's hard to kind of build that liquidity, but I feel like these are kind of like the flywheels that we've seen working in other places where everybody's aligned and then the short term kind of does does itself in the sense that like you know in nfts or meme meme tokens you see you know there's no backing behind these tokens they're purely people believing in it and then the systems above it of just like you know twitter or whatever but in this case it's like the token actually has a backing there's there's this book value that you say and people care about you know the book value obviously to like know where the where the buyer sell it but they also care about the revenue and so I think making the games above the revenue and, and, and those, those, those kind of meta games are something that, you know, I haven't really seen on Solana. And it's one of the things that when I think about like the best DeFi on like, you know, Arbitrum, things like this, it's, it's kind of like what makes it stand out is like the composability. And I know you guys are working with Jupiter, but you know, maybe you could talk a little bit to be more specific about, you know, how Lifinity is composable with other platforms. And specifically, if you guys plan on having any, kind of like system within the fee structure and the VE DAO ownership of Lifinity to, you know, incentivize composability there in the same way you see in other DeFi platforms and other ecosystems. Yeah, I would say uh, composability hasn't been our highest priority. Um, I think it's important for um, other protocols for them to gain and or maintain their level of adoption. Uh, just because, like, I'm just taking out an example, like, the standard Uniswap V3 market-making model, it's not it's not as competitive as ours. Or, or, or um, It's uh, more difficult to express intelligence using that. Um, and maybe even, like, compared to, like, order books. Um, so like by having integrations, um, it like part of the reason is like it really opens up the use of their platforms to retail. Where um, like so for example, uh, to make a <laughs> explain this concretely, like um, Orca and Radium are integrated with Camino, 
who creates a vault on top of their um, concentrated liquidity market makers. And this is very important for retail participation because um, normally the it's very hard to be profitable on concentrated liquidity market makers um, unless you can write a bot and uh, market make yourself um, and like make adjustments frequently. Um, if you're just like manually managing your LP positions, um, it's probably not going to do, it's not going to go well for you. Um, and Camino's vault products is what basically like automates that for you as a retail trader. Obviously like it works much better for some asset pairs than others. Like uh, it basically works well for stable asset pairs um, where the relative price between the two assets changes uh, very little. And it, it doesn't work quite as well for um, volatile asset pairs. But yeah, anyway, so um, composability for us is not as important because basically like we manage everything internally. Um, I guess like on, on that point, another thing which you brought up is like curve and convex. Um, our v, VE system is quite different from theirs. And also like, uh, like curves foundation is the fact that they use their token for liquidity mining incentives. Mm -hmm. And like all the products built on top of them um, basically use that as the foundation. Um, like that's a source of yield. Um, like they're just um, like printing money. And so like uh, that enables other products to build on top of that to like try to get a portion of that pie. Um, whereas us, because we own the liquidity, we don't have any need to incentivize any liquidity. And so, you know, this is also great because we don't have to dilute our token. Um, just to maintain a certain level of liquidity. Um, and then like uh, you have Convex that built, built on top of Curve. This is actually uh, the only reason Convex is, exists is because I think Curve had a huge oversight in their VE system, which we corrected in ours. And that is native tokenization. So um, when you lock tokens for VE tokens, VE tokens are an illiquid token that you cannot trade. Um, so if you have VE CRV, which is a uh, curves lock token, um, that's, that's locked and you can't move it to another address or trade it or anything. So what Convex does is it takes VE CRV or it takes your CRV, locks it for VE CRV, and then issues you a receipt. Um, I forgot what it is, something CVX. Um, and like, that's your receipt of your VECRV that's held forever by Convex. So in our case, and, and for this service, they charge a hefty 16% fee, I believe. And, you know, they're basically extracting that from Curve as a platform, which I think is very unfortunate. And so in our case, um, we just enable this tokenization of max locked VE tokens natively, and we don't charge a fee. And so, you know, we're not leaking that value to other protocols. So in a sense, like it may look like, oh, no one's building on top of Liffinity, but it's also by design. Um, it, it means that we're not leaking value. There is no um, value leaked that, um, at least like on Ethereum, for example, there are these other protocols building on top of precisely because they can capitalize on that value that is being leaked by Curve. Um, uh, yeah, it may it may look bearish at first sight that uh, no one is building on us. But um, yeah, I think the, the more accurate view is that um, we don't leak any value. And that's why there's nothing to build on top in a sense. No, I definitely see what you mean there in terms of kind of how the V curve, curve convex system is. I guess the way that I was thinking about it is the if you abstract it away, ultimately the reason why people are looking for curve and convex is to capture the fees, right? And so I guess it's tying back to the point of like, you know, you have fees that are going to this long-term position, to fees that are going to the short-term in terms of the pool, and then you have this this DAO. So like maybe a, a good way to explain this or, or kind of like get your thoughts on it, the the affinity that is in the DAO treasury. You know, how have you guys used that and how, you know, what scope does the DAO have to kind of 
make decisions over that. I'm not very familiar with your guys' DAO structure. Sure. So um, it's something we said before the VE idea, but basically how we handle governance is to say um, the community does not have any governance over uh, the decks. So that's like what pools to open, what the parameters of each pool is, et cetera. Um, one reason for this is because um, the community does not have ex expertise in deciding which pools are viable or what the optimal parameter set is. And another reason is I think the community is just not interested in this kind of thing. Um, they're not, they don't really want to spend their time on that kind of thing. Um, on the other hand, what the community does govern is anything and everything related to money. So that's like uh, how we use our treasury. Uh, I mean, like that, that's basically the main thing. Um, yeah, and so how do we use the uh, Lifinity in our treasury? Um, originally, what we said we were planning to do was to sell Lifinity for more liquidity. So when our pools became full and we want to open new pools, but we don't have any assets left to deposit, we would sell Lifinity for those assets. And uh, this would increase the circulating supply, but at the same time, we're gaining revenue generating assets. So that would more than make up for the fact that we're um, increasing the circulating supply. At the same time, it increases the book value. So, you know, it's like, essentially there is no dilution taking place there. Um, but uh, as it turns out, we were um, much too capital efficient to need any more liquidity. So right now, I, I might've mentioned earlier, but we have idle assets in our treasury, um, not Lifinity, like uh, USDC and Sol. Um, and our pools are full already, so they're just waiting to be deployed um, until waiting until we can open new pools where we can deploy those assets. So we haven't had a need to um, use Lifinity in our treasury for that um, original intention that we had, selling it for more um, assets. Um, I think there's only two ways that we have used it so far. One is to buy out the Flare DAO. So I, I mentioned earlier that like uh, Flare DAO. We did a mint and we deposited all the mint funds in the pools and the flares just like owned this this liquidity um and it was um there was some a bit of a, a bit of weirdness where the flare dao and the lifinity dao were not fully aligned because they're both vying for like a greater share of the pool and so we uh after a very long community discussion we decided to have Lifinity DAO buy out FlareDAO's liquidity. So in exchange for their liquidity, um, FlareDAO received a bunch of VE Lifinity, that's max locked Lifinity. And so uh, they, instead of getting their revenue from that liquidity directly, now they just get their revenue from the VE Lifinity that they hold. Um, so we used like 5.7 million <laughs> Uh, Lifinity from the treasury to do that buyout. That was the main use. And uh, <coughs> the other use uh, has been happening more recently, and that's to use Lifinity in the treasury to purchase um, discounted X Lifinity when the discount goes beyond a certain level. Um, this is like not the best place to talk about it because it's like, I don't know, kind of technical, but. Uh, yeah, so Xlifinity is the liquid version of MaxLocked VE Lifinity um, that you can trade. It's the thing I was talking about earlier where Convex does it for Curve, but we just do it natively. So we have Xlifinity if you want to do an early exit. But if you're going to do that, you're going to have to pay a, uh, a premium. And uh, this premium is decided by the market. Um, there's just a pool, a Lifinity, Xlifinity pool, where uh, users can trade their Xlifinity for Lifinity. And then Lifinity for USDC if they want to exit to USDC. Presumably, that's what they want to do. Um, let's see. Yeah, so sometimes the discount for Xlifinity would get quite large, like 40%. Um, I think it's gone as high as 60% or something in that range. And so our users are like, uh, we should capture that. Um, because if we use the treasury's Lifinity to buy X Lifinity, um, what that will do is 
so for example, if the discount is like 20%, then when we buy 1,000 Lefinity worth of X Lefinity, it's 20% discount, that means we get 1,200 X Lefinity. And because the treasury doesn't really care whether its Lefinity is locked or not, kind of immaterial to it, um, practically what happens is that we just removed 200 Lefinity from the circulating supply because X Lefinity is just four year locked Lefinity. So if you fully unlock it, it turns into Lefinity. And so we introduced 1000 Lefinity into the circulating supply by the trade, but we removed 1200 X Lefinity from the uh, circulating supply. So 1200 minus 1000, total of 200 removed. So it's basically just like a um, a free form of buybacks. Um, and uh, yeah, we've, we've done that a few times now. Um, but yeah, those are the only... That's awesome. That's, on, that's the only two uses that we've used the treasury so far. But obviously, uh, the community can decide to use it in other ways, too. That's that's actually really, really, uh, really awesome to, to kind of see how the protocol, not only does it kind of like not really leak value and it's designed in this kind of bottom-up leakage-free way, but it, it, it captures the value that not it doesn't really leak but it's more of like arbitrage opportunities based on the book value which is its own protocols liquidity it's like this very nice closed system and i i definitely see how the dow doesn't really have any interest in you know changing protocol parameters and things that it doesn't have the expertise for necessarily but i do think that kind of like within the kind of concept of using lefinity for these interesting purposes it's interesting to see kind of what opportunities do you guys have to, you know, continue to see what, what can be done in terms of, I don't know if something that comes to mind, I don't know if you've heard of like dual finance with the, um, the out of the money call options, these types of rewards. So I guess it kind of brings me to the question of what are the actual kind of operational ways that you guys go about governance and like, you know, like, is there a specific platform you guys use for the forum, for voting, for proposals? Is it like through discord on, I know you guys use like a like a version of Tribeca for the X Lefinity or V Lefinity system. Um, I'm just kind of curious to hear about the actual nitty gritty of, of how you guys do governance because, you know, as being a DAO that has a decent amount of like X Lefinity, we'd we'd love to be able to, you know, put our ideas in 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 the in the hat so to speak and 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 kind of get our hands dirty with with more governance. That's something that, you know, I think going into 2024, it's not really composability, but it's like DAOs participating in other DAOs, and you know, you guys kind of did something similar, obviously, with buying out Flare DAO. I think it's interesting because you have these different groups which are also aligned, and you know, I think you know, say somebody wanted to vote for changing the fee structure so that more goes to VE uh, holders as opposed to the buybacks, would that be a, a thing that people have freedom to do, and how would they do it operationally? Yeah, so how do we do governance? Um, our The way we do governance is definitely very different from other projects. I think most other projects, by default, try to do everything on-chain. Um, and usually that means uh, using Realms, which is like the leading governance platform on Solana, I think, and uh, doing their voting there. And uh, for discussions, they often use uh, that that very common forum tool, I forget what it's called. Um, but yeah, so- Discourse, we, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, discourse, thank you. Um, so yeah, we take a very different approach. Um, so this is my opinion, but- <laughs> Most governance, it, it feels like a like a charade to me. It's like it's like a, it's just for show, and there's not there's often like not real governance taking place. Um, and I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, one is that when you make it fully on chain, that inevitably leads to less participation, uh, just because, for example. And, and like 
I know this from personal experience, like if you have your assets on a ledger, like there is so much more friction to just, even if it's just doing one vote transaction, like you don't want to go get your ledger just to like make a vote. It's like, you know, probably my vote won't even matter anyways. Like why spend the the minute or two, even if that's all it takes, like, you know, you just don't feel like doing it. Um, and uh, as far as discussions, like when you, when you put it in a place that's not the main place where your community hangs out, which for most communities is either Discord or Telegram. For us, it's Discord. Um, but if you put it in a different place, then that also really decreases participation. Um, because you know it's just a lot more friction. They have to open this this website to go to the place where people um, talk about governance stuff. Even though like every every other thing about the protocol, people are talking about it in this other place where people are more used to. And so we want everything to be in the same place. Um, so the way we do it right now is we do everything in Discord, um, both the discussion and the voting. Now this is not. This is by no means a uh, perfect solution. There are definitely things that are imperfect about this, but um, from my perspective, at least, and in my experience, like this is the best that we can have right now. Um, and so, for me, as a uh, my, my goal as like a DAO facilitator is to essentially um, make as many members of our community happy as possible. That's basically my objective function that I'm seeking to maximize. And the way that I do that is like messy, of course. I can't do this like in a precise or numerical way, but I, I try to do this in um, many ways. I try to gather as much nuance as I can from the community. Um, it's like if you do on-chain votes, all that matters is the number of tokens you have at the end of the day. That's all that matters. And I think that, like, that is important because, you know, the more of a stake you hold in the protocol, the larger say you should have in the protocol's direction. Like, that makes sense. On the other hand, I don't think that should be the sole factor. I don't think that's, that's all that matters. Um, you know, just to give, like, a, a simple toy example, suppose that, um, some user owns 51% of the token supply, and then a thousand others have the remaining 49%. After like a vote for something, and only the 51, the guy holding 51% is in favor of it, and everyone else in the community is like vehemently against it, then, you know, if you're just doing like token weighted voting, well, they're going to win and they're going to have their way. But is that going to be good for the protocol? Like, probably not. It's probably good for that person's bag because they're voting for that for whatever reason. But it, like, screws everyone else over. And so, you know, as a protocol, you're probably fucked. Even if that, that one holder, like, benefits from the outcome of this one vote. Um, and, but but you, can't you, you can't have that nuance in a token vote. Um, but you can if, if you're doing things in discord so <laughs> you have to reiterate that like this is like super messy and there's a lot of like subjective judgment on my part like so but yeah what i try to do is you know we we have a lot of discussion um that's what we always do first and then we put things to a vote and then i look at the numbers and i consider like how the discussion went like was it um, like, how strongly were those against it, um, like, fighting it? Are they, are they, are they angry? I just, like, I'm not sure if this is a good idea or, like, we should definitely not fucking do this type of thing. You know, there's, like, nuance like that, and I try to consider that. And I think, and so I don't think there should be, like, a fixed, okay, if this percent votes for in favor, then regardless of whatever happens in the discussion, it will pass. You know, I try to take as many factors into consideration, like what percent voted for what, um, and uh, how how heated the discussions got and stuff like that. 
So it's, it's definitely a messy process, but I think, like I said, my, my ultimate objective is to make as many people as happy as possible. And I think in terms of that, it has worked quite well. And I think it definitely works better than just doing like on-chain token voting, just because it does capture that nuance and people feel heard. And uh, yeah, Sorry, I, and I kind of rambled there, but um, yeah, that's kind of my take on governance. Uh, that's that's really interesting, and I think definitely different systems have different governance needs and Lifinity is obviously one that you know you guys operate in a very specific type of way, and governance has to be handled within the parameters of the safety of the protocol and the and the the you know the well-being of the protocol ultimately does value mostly on how many people feel favorably about it, right? And uh, so keeping people happy is definitely something that, I, you know, from my experience is kind of antithetical to a lot of governance where, you know, some, the way that we kind of have our proposals, sometimes people are very unhappy, sometimes people are happy, um, but we just stick true to the to the system that we have. And, and you know, we kind of have a mixture of Discord and, and on-chain voting where, you know, we try to capture nuance through that, but I think it's definitely an evolving space and, you know, even the way that Realms is kind of the, the, the main governance platform, it's, we, we actually use Tribeca as well, which kind of has been a pain in the ass, but, you know, we're starting to figure out how to work with that more and might even, you know, create a plugin to plug into Realms if we need to, but, yeah, that's kind of a big thing that I think will be changing a lot over the next couple of years, but, um, you know, just governance on, on chain and these kinds of things will be developed. I just wanted to mention, um, if you guys are developing a plugin, um, SaberDAO might also be looking to do something along that line. So I uh, recommend uh, joining the discussion on that there. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely talk to them about that. But I guess to kind of just like, uh, I guess close things up, would there be, what, what do you guys think, what do you think is specifically, we'll get to maybe questions that people in the audience have, but what do you think about you know, the last few months at Affinity, the increased volume, and what are you hoping to see in, in 2024? Yeah, so um, a lot of what Lafinity did throughout the bear market was optimize its pools. Um, and that was basically in preparation for um, the current type of market environment we're in right now, where there's a lot more volume and uh, there's a lot more attention on Solana. Um, so yeah, like Lifinity has been able to capture a ton more volume, um, especially when there's volatility. So that's been uh, great to see the uh, optimize, optimizations paying off. Um, what do you expect to see looking forward? Um, or uh, was that a question? What's your what's your outlook for 2024? Maybe like some of the big goals that you guys have, milestones, uh, plans for things you guys are developing, or anything of that nature. Right on. So for Lafinity specifically, uh, I think the main thing will be opening more pools. Um, I think uh, a lot of new assets will be hitting the Solana market as people um, do airdrops. Uh, con often converting their points to uh, actual tokens. So we'll be looking to market make for a lot of those. Um, we are considering going cross-chain to some places, but um, the talks on that are still early, but definitely a possibility. Um, and then we've hinted at this thing called Project S, which is the uh, next thing we're looking to um, build. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to release that in the near future. Uh, not much I can say about that at this point, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, I think those are some of the things on the horizon. Well, that's uh, a lot of exciting stuff. I guess I would only have one kind of last little question before we could open up to the audience, but it would just be, so you're saying that you guys are going to be market making for a lot of these airdrops Would those kind of be positions that you guys like, say like Jupe or something, you guys would add Jupe to the pool and like keep it there forever. Or what's the idea there? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, we definitely keep it there as long as market making for it is profitable. So, I mean, like we did a sim similar thing for Pith and Jito. Uh, we're still market making okay. for those. Um, yeah, and like with uh, Jup's case, some of our treasury wallets have done um, fairly sized swaps. So like uh, our protocol will receive a Jupiter airdrop. So like we can use that directly to just start market making for it. So mm, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's everything I have. That was that was really awesome to kind of learn and, and pick your brain about everything. But I'd love to hear if any of the people in the in the chat right now have any questions for you. Yeah. If if none, you know. Oh. No problem. Um, I, I, you kind, of, you kind of trailed off. I can't hear you very well. Yeah, I, th I think your mic is a little low. That's better. Yeah, I think so. Oh, it went uh, away again. <laughs> Uh, that sounds good. You say okay, and then when you say how's that, how's that sounds like you're 20 feet away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Free to read the question. I guess I'll just read it out loud. Uh, so he says, if I wanted to buy in size six to seven figures worth of Lefinity, what's the best way to buy? Yeah, so um, I guess one nuance to get in before you i can answer that is do you want to be a long-term holder or a short-term holder um so uh put it simply like if you want to be a short-term holder you're speculating just on price you don't really care about the revenue part then you want to buy lefinity um the best way is just to use jupiter right now um so yeah that's pretty straightforward um and then if you care about revenue then that means you probably want to get Xlefinity, or actually, before I go on to that, so he says, any OTC options? Um, actually, so I once wrote a proposal for Lefinity DAO to sell uh, Lefinity OTC, precisely because I was seeing some complaints about liquidity. <laughs> but uh, the community was basically not interested in this. Um, they're just like, nah, they got to buy in the market type of thing. So at least for the foreseeable future, there is no OTC. I think the scenario where OTC would become possible is if we ever um, become in need of more liquidity. So that thing I said earlier, which we haven't done yet, where we would sell Lifinity for more liquidity. If we did that, then that's uh, it's kind of OTC. It, you'd be able to buy Lifinity without any slippage. Um, so, but yeah, that's not the case right now. We have idle liquidity already, so um, probably not happening soon. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so back to the uh, the uh, suppose you want to get access to the revenue, you're, you're more interested in becoming like a long term holder. In that case, what you probably want to buy is X Lifinity, and. Uh, <clears throat> So you're probably still going to go through the the Lefinity route. So the, the probably the best route on Jupiter is going to be USDC to Lefinity, and then Lefinity to XLefinity. Uh, there's also like Open Book. There's some asks on there, so you might be able to buy XLefinity cheaper there for some portion of your 
six to seven figures. Um, you know, I, I just registered in my mind seven figures. So like that's a million plus. <laughs> uh, that that would be a hell of a lot of affinity, wouldn't it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but um, those would be the best ways. So I, I guess my answer basically is Jupiter. I guess, you know, another way, another uh, strategy you could do is to just place limit orders either for Lefinity or Lex X Lefinity. You can do this on OpenBook. There's a USDC market for each of them. So um, if you're not if you're not like desperate to get in right this moment and you're willing to wait, then uh, you could just place large bids and wait till people dump into them. Uh, yeah, that's those are the two methods I can think of. Yeah, dumping into the bids seems like a pretty good way. Oh, uh, one more question. He asks, have you guys been approached by an exchange for a potential listing? Um, yeah, countless exchanges, honestly. But the thing is, um, uh, they want us to pay, right? This is like their part of their business model. And uh, from our perspective, like, Lefinity's ultimate goal is to maximize revenue. Um, and listing on an exchange actually doesn't contribute anything to revenue in any way whatsoever. Um, part of that is because all our flow comes from arbitrage bots, which just trade directly through us, and uh, through Jupyter volume, uh, retail flow getting routed to us. and. Uh, we're not trying to get people to use our front end. Actually, we integrate Jupyter in, into the front end. This is just, um, uh, we want our users to get the best price at all times, even if that means not swapping on our decks. Um, and we don't really think it's a viable long-term strategy to try to, um, as a single dex, to try to get people to just trade on your decks. Because on Solana especially, there's zero reasons to not use an aggregator. Aggregator is just better in every way. If you're swapping on just Orca or just Radium, like you are cucking yourself, essentially. You can get at least as good as a, of a price and usually a better price just by trading on Jupiter. And you would have gotten an airdrop too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so like, uh, and so if we list on an exchange, that'll definitely pump the token price, but it's kind of like, so what? That doesn't increase revenue. Um, so we're just like paying money to a DEX or to a SEX for a temporary price pump, which, um, yeah, it doesn't really accomplish or it doesn't help accomplishing our long-term goals of increasing revenue. So yeah, basically we're not interested. We're at least not interested to pay for a listing. That's awesome. Yeah, no, the long-term goals, maximizing revenue, that's what I think of when I think of Lefinity, and I think that's a really, yeah, it's a really appropriate point to kind of kind of end things on. But um, yeah, I mean, thank you for taking the time to speak with X Plus. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we kind of wrap things up? Uh, hmm, let's see. Uh, stay tuned for Project S, I guess, and uh. If you guys have any more questions, if you want to look into Lifinity more, like uh, there's tons of people in our in our Discord that are always happy to answer questions, including myself. But even when I'm sleeping, there's other people who are very active, and uh, we have tons of resources. Um, uh, like I've been explaining, like Lifinity is quite different from how other dexes work. So, um, kind of one of our downsides is that there's like so much to learn and. Uh, uh, there's so many people who either misunderstand Lifinity or just like don't know about the things that make it different. So yeah, there's a lot to learn, and uh, but we have the resources to help you on that journey if you're interested. So uh, come on by if you are. Nice that uh, that wraps things up. Sweet. Uh, well, thanks for having Thank me. Thank you on. for your time, man. Yeah, my pleasure.
Your mic is still messed up, man. All right. Peace out, guys.